0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله ربنا العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم Dear brothers and sisters I hope you are all doing well and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast we ended up here in the last episode where Ali ibn Abi Talib explained how if a servant of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala calls out for help that the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala would be readily available. But at the end of that he mentioned this one word in the phrase that was bringing that whole block of phrases to an end. He said wala mushbihun lima amalta bihil muwahhidin min He Said this is not how you normally deal with those Who are muwahid, those who believe in your oneness. And we said really what this refers to is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He categorizes and He has a classification and He differentiates between those who accept the truth that is presented to them and those who deny it knowingly. And we also mentioned that those who, of course, never have an opportunity to hear the truth, they're not necessarily part of this categorization. They would be outside of this categorization, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with them with His mercy, of course because he's not going to have someone not hear the truth because of the reality of things, because of the reality and the atmosphere of their life and then punish that individual. No, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never do that. He is too merciful to ever do something like that. So, the two categories that we're talking about are those who know the truth and based on knowing the truth, some of them will accept it, some of them will not. Ali ibn Abi Talib made it clear that those who accept it The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is definitely going going to be there for this group. Okay. Now, having said that, he then went on to explain this even more. And he said, You know what? You you've made it clear that there are those that will be punished in the hellfire. And those who will stay in hellfire forever. Otherwise, when one of these servants asks for your mercy, not only will you help him. You would have taken all of hellfire, and you would have essentially removed all of hellfire. And no one would end up being in hellfire, except we know, and you have made it clear from the very beginning that there are those who will remain in hellfire. So he essentially is saying this categorization is a very important categorization because the first category, those who believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, the mercy is going to be there for them, and those who don't, well the mercy is not going to be there for them. And he was very clear about this. And he moved on to this famous line, which essentially is a verse of the Qur'an that the Imam is quoting, and this is one of those things that our Imams did very often and it really shows the connection that they had with the verses of the Qur'an, the relationship that they had with the verses of the Qur'an. That in their du'as, natively and naturally, you would find quotes from verses of the Qur'an built into the du'a in such a way that a lot of times you're not even able to tell that this is a verse of the Qur'an that has been built into uh, this du'a, of course you can tell that it's different because the Qur'an will always be different but if you're not paying attention, you won't be able to tell really, right? If you're not really uh, paying, you know, looking at things very carefully at first glance you might just assume that this is, you know, part of the the, the du'a for example um, but of course we know that when you look at the verses of the Qur'an, they'll always be different but this shows the relationship that our imams had with the Qur'an and of course that's another point of grievance for us all, all the time of how little we pay attention to the Qur'an how little we value uh, the Qur'an and how little we value the understanding the meaning of the verses of the Qur'an and that's something that always should concern us and does concern me personally as it relates to our communities. The fervor and the enthusiasm that we show when it comes to some aspects of Islam and the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of passion that we show when it comes to Specifically, for example, understanding the meaning of the verses of the Qur'an. There's such a stark difference when you look at the passion and enthusiasm that we show to some aspects of Islam as opposed to other ones. Nonetheless, this line that we find from the verses of the Qur'an is showing and explaining that the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it requires him to deal with different people in a different manner. If someone had the uh, the guts and the essentially the uh, genuine, uh, you know, the, the sincerity I should say to accept the truth that has been presented to him then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to differentiate between him and the one who did not do so and this is what the Imam is talking about Kana the ones who believed and the ones who didn't believe the good ones and the bad ones are they the same? they're definitely not the same this is where we end it. Now, if you uh, take this principle and by extension you apply it to a group of people who both of them, right, or all of them believe in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, but one of them is really putting in effort to practice the teachings of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to practice and carry out the commands of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala as opposed to another one who is not trying to do that. We said that again this principle applies against the again the justice of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has to mean that for the first one, he will show him more rewards and he will show him more honor and will give him a higher status as opposed to the second one who is not trying as hard. This is simply comes from the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just. It simply comes from the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to differentiate between two people who are doing things differently. The reason why this is so important is because of course when it comes to people who will end up in hellfire eternally and those who will not that's something we deal with a little less because we don't come across people who end up in hellfire eternally very often in fact it might be very rare for us to come across individuals like that what we deal with a lot more is people who say they're muslim and there's no you know there's no trace of them practicing not even trying to act upon the teachings of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and those who say Muslim, they're Muslim, for example, and do try to practice the religion of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, we said that there's still a difference between these two, and one of the things that you find that is being said nowadays, and it's something that uh, unfortunately our youth are susceptible towards, and they are vulnerable towards this, you know, this mindset, is that, yes, it doesn't matter what you do. We're all the same. No one, sometimes you'll hear it in this way. Sometimes people will say, I'm, you know, I can never be more Muslim than you are. You're just as Muslim as I am, for example, right? We're all just as Muslim as one another. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that if I'm the type of person that does not practice any teaching within Islam, that I'm still Muslim? Maybe, yes. There are some great sins that even if someone were to do, they'd still be considered a Muslim. I'll give you a very clear example. If someone, you know, for example, murdered another individual, right? Which is one of the greatest sins that you can ever possibly imagine. Are they still Muslim? Yes, they're still Muslim. The Qur'an is very clear about that. Okay, but If that's what you mean, then then that's fine, right? Then if we're all Muslim and none of us is more Muslim than the other, if that's what we're referring to, then that's completely fine. There's no problem in that. But if what I'm referring to when I say that none of us is more Muslim than the other, What I mean by that is that it doesn't matter how you practice your religion. It doesn't matter how much effort you put into it. That at the end of the day, God is going to look at us all in the same way and in the same manner. That could not be further from the truth. The reality is that even the smallest differences between us, When it comes to those things that we can control, right? Not your race and your color and your background and who your mom and dad was and not that stuff. That's not up to you. The ones that you can control, the effort that you can put in, that part, the smallest differences Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will differentiate between His servants. Even the smallest ones, let alone the big stark difference between a person who's trying day and night to act upon the commands of God and the one who's just, you know, in my words, just chilling and relaxing. He just says he's Muslim, he just says he's Shia for example, but when it comes to acting upon the teachings of Imam al Hussein, you find him, he, he's barely doing anything. Well, is there going to be a difference between these two? Is Imam al Hussein going to honor the first one more? Absolutely, definitely. And again, I will mention this disclaimer again, that when I talk about practicing, I don't just mean certain aspects that we associate with this word of practicing, right? I don't just mean the outward aspect of Islam. No, the inward aspect of Islam as well, right? The praying and the fasting and the dress code of Islam, right? And the things that you watch and the things that you listen to, right? And the gatherings that you attend, all of that on one hand. And on the other hand, the type of akhlaq that you have, the type of reliance that you have on Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. all of the inward aspect of Islam as well. Both of these is what I'm talking about when I talk about practicing Islam. If someone is trying, to practice Islam when it comes to both of these two aspects. Is he going to be different from the one who's just chilling and doesn't care about anything? And he's still Muslim and he's still Shia. Yes, absolutely he's going to be different from one another. So when we say that, you know what, you're no more Muslim than I am, if what we mean by that is that we're both within the realm of Islam, that is absolutely true. But if we, what we mean by that, and it just depends on different situations people will use this type of you know approach or this type of wording in different situations so you just have to see what they mean by it but if what we mean by it is that we're going to be the same just because you're Muslim and I'm Muslim but for example, you worked so hard right, to not miss your prayers but I don't even care about praying and we're still going to be the same on the Day of Judgment. The answer is no, we're not going to be the same. right? Your place is going to be 10 times better than my place is going to be. And Imam Hussein will honor you much more than he will honor me. If I'm just the one who wears black for him and you're the one who wears black for him but then actually tries to manifest his teachings in your life. Obviously. Now, yes, is he going to look upon me and say, well, you don't hold any value in my eyes? No, because at the end of the day, I had his love in my heart and I believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I have value. I still qualify for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the question is, are we going to be the same? Because this line in the dua said, Afaman kana mu'minan, keman kana fasiqan la yastawun." It's not saying that you know they're both gonna be terrible or great. It's just saying they're gonna they're never gonna be the same. And that is what we're saying here as well. That is important because as I said, a lot of times you will find people trying to be inclusive, especially in our communities, because we've such we've done such a terrible job of being inclusive of those who are less practicing, that now we go up to this extreme that, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do. We're all the same in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, that's not necessarily true from that perspective. It is true from the perspective that we all have shortcomings. It it is true from the perspective that the masjid and the community should be willing to embrace everybody. All of that is true, right? And unfortunately, we have done, like I said, a terrible job of, of doing that. That when we see a youth, for example, or maybe a family who's not as practicing automatically within the masjid the way we look at them the way we talk to them about them or to them is just different right and we isolate them essentially is that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us absolutely not so i want to make it clear that we don't believe in that at all and that is a major major issue that we have within our communities But having said that we also don't want to fall into this trap where we essentially reach a point where we say listen it doesn't matter what you do in your life god will love you regardless and god and essentially we're all the same on the day of judgment no we're not going to be all the same on the day of judgment on the day of judgment the quran says you bring a little bit of good you're going to see it you bring a little bit of bad you're going to see it. So God is saying, I'm going to differentiate not just a general differentiation, not just a general categorization. No, I'm going to categorize you guys like down to the T, right? That's what God is saying. So we want to be inclusive, but we don't want to. That doesn't mean that whether you practice or don't practice does not matter. What it does mean is that whether you practice or you don't practice, you have a place within the community of Muslims. You have a place within the community of the masjid. You have a place within the community of this Shia population, for example, and nobody, nobody, should be there as long as someone has not denounced their faith. Nobody should turn to another person and say, "You're not part of this community. Right? You're not. You're not part of us because of you know some shortcomings that you have. Even if those shortcomings are shortcomings that are evident, right? Maybe in the way someone is dressing. Maybe in the way that someone." Has their lifestyle? I mean, we see this all the time. Where individuals come for Muharram, they're crying, they're mourning for Muharram, right? For the for the martyrdom of our beloved third Imam. And when you look at their lifestyles, and it's not even something that's hidden, right? Everybody knows about them. That the lifestyle does not line up with what the Imam wants from them. But does that mean you turn them away? No, you don't turn them away at all. So neither of these are to, are right. And I just want to make it clear that we don't believe in either of these two approaches. What we believe is that our communities are supposed to embrace everybody as long as they have not denounced their faith they they are to be considered part of the community even if they, they are involved in certain lifestyles that are not compatible with the teachings of Islam and at the same time there is going to be a difference between the one who tries really hard to practice and the one who is just chilling and relaxing and doesn't really care what he is doing there's going to be a difference between those two as well. Okay, going back to uh, the du'a, he continues with this bil qaddartaha. Ya Allah, now that you have told me that there is going to be a difference between individuals, then I ask you by the right of the fact that I am stuck in this situation, because I have all these shortcomings, and you just mentioned that at the end of the day, I'm going to be held accountable for these shortcomings. I ask you to then forgive these shortcomings that I have. So this is how he's gonna go about it. <inaudible> I ask you, you know, knowing that you have made it such that when someone commits a sin, he will be held accountable to it. Right? The this line of the dua is saying, by the right of that, Or ordain of that thing that you have ordained. What is the thing that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has ordained? The fact that you will be held accountable for your sins. Okay, says by the right of that, and me knowing that that's going to be the case, and by the right of that power that you have over me, that if I sin, I'm not outside of your realm. I can't just run away, right? I can't just escape. There's no, there's no place to escape to. I'm gonna be held accountable for what I did because I'm gonna be held accountable. And tahabali fi because I know that I'm gonna be held accountable and there's no way out, so why don't you go ahead and do this favor for me that you will forgive for me on this night? Wa ajramtu. Okay. Now he continues and he says, Ya Allah forgive all of my mistakes, all of my sins, all of my shortcomings, and he mentioned this and he explains the different types of sins that he has. Before we get to that, I just want to draw your attention to this little point that he made, right? He said, Antahabali fi Ya Allah, I want you to forgive for me on this night and at this moment. Sarah, we would usually, you know, in, in Arabic today and in farsi and a lot and maybe some other languages, the word Sarah would refer to an hour, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean this hour in the Arabic of the Quran and Hadith it would refer to the idea of this particular moment. and That's why the Day of Judgment is referred to as Sa'a because it is a moment that comes when nobody's expecting it. It's not necessarily quote-unquote an hour. It is a moment, okay? It's a very short period of time. He says, Ya Allah, because of this that I mentioned that I'm going to be held accountable, why don't you forgive for me on this night and at this very moment all of my sins why is Ali ibn Abi Talib saying Ya Allah on this night and at this very moment this just shows you it's just a small indication that when we repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're not chill about it we're not just comfortable and say Ya Allah whenever you get a chance if you would please forgive these sins of mine as well no if I've sinned then that means I am functioning like an enemy of Allah subhanahu wa Taala then that means I need my sins forgiven right now. You see the urgency that Ali ibn Abi Talib is displaying here. It doesn't say, Ya Allah, in the next week or so, you know, when something isn't urgent and you go to someone and you ask them to take care of it, what do you do? You're like, listen, in the next week or so, whenever you get an opportunity, if you could please, you know, forgive the sin of mine. But this is not what Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying. He's not saying in the next month, he's not saying in the next week, he's not saying the next opportunity you get, Right? He's saying right now on this night wa fiha dehissar, and in this moment, antahabali fiha dehilela wa fiha dehssar, kullajurman ajramtu. Every offense, offense that I have committed against you. This shows the urgency that Ali ibn Abi Talib has. Wa kullah zambin aznabtu. In every sin that I have committed. Wa kullah qabiha n in every terrible and ugly deed that I have been able to conceal عملته, and every ignorance that I have acted upon and if you remember we mentioned before that every sin of ours it stems from a form of ignorance that's why earlier on in the du'a when Ali ibn Abi Talib was saying my ignorance has been there for so long that's why he referred to the sins as ignorance because ignorance is the root and the cause of every sin that you and I would have out there. jahlin amilto, Forgive every ignorance that I've acted upon. Katamtuhu Whether it came out or I was able to conceal it. Sometimes we do wrong things and everyone finds out about it. Sometimes you do wrong things and nobody finds out about it. And of course the angels of Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he himself, they are keeping record of this. Whether I was able to keep it hidden or it was a sin that I did publicly, it doesn't matter. I want you to be able to forgive all of these and not just when you get an opportunity, I want them forgiven right now. That's how urgently Ali ibn Abi Talib is asking for the forgiveness of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, inshallah In the next episode we will continue and move on as he talks about the two angels that write down the deeds of the human being and some of the points he makes about these and it's very beautiful as he explains how sometimes these angels are not able to see some of the deeds which is something that is a little foreign to us because normally what we hear and we read is that everything you do that these angels will be able to see it so what does it mean when these angels aren't able to see some of the things that you and I do? That, inshallah, we will discuss in the next episode. Thank you for being with us. Inshallah, keep us in your draws, And until then, uh, stay safe. Wassalamu alaikum wa barakatuh.